From Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Lehigh Athletics presents Mountain Hawk Talk, the podcast for the Lehigh Mountain Hawks, presented by Lehigh Valley Health Network and Coordinated Health. Here's your host, Josh Liddick. Hey, what's going on, Lehigh fans? Welcome into Episode 8 of the Mountain Hawk Talk podcast, the official podcast of Lehigh Athletics. On this episode, I'm joined by Lehigh Dean of Athletics, Joe Starrett who provides an update and thoughts on newly released Patriot League basketball schedules, a future wrestling schedule, and an update on spring sports as well. He also talks about the department's staff and student-athlete development and his thoughts on the department's work on battling systemic racism and social injustices. Without further ado, here's my interview with Joe Starrett. And I'm now joined by Lehigh Dean of Athletics, Joe Starrett. Uh, Joe, welcome back to Mountain Hawk Talk. We had you on um, almost six months ago uh, in May on our video podcast series, so it's kind of nice to to have you on here. As um, some things have changed and some things have stayed the same, but um, you know, it's nice to have you on. And how are you doing? Gosh, thanks. Uh, six months ago, wow. Um, yeah, it feels like six years ago. Uh, the way the way that the time has has unfolded here during this pandemic period, but um, um, I'm doing I'm doing fine, and uh, I hope you are. Um, I, I look forward to the day where we get to see each other in person. Yeah, um, and and keep believing that that's that's coming at some point. So, absolutely, yeah. You know, two weekends ago there was there was no Lehigh Lafayette football game uh, played on the Saturday before Thanksgiving. You know. What are your emotions and thoughts about knowing that? I mean, this is the first, this is unprecedented. This is something that hasn't happened in, in, in so many years. Um, you know, what, what's, what went through your mind knowing that there was no Lehigh Lafayette football game this fall? Well, you know, first of all, it's incredibly different. Um, and if I back out of that game, which is, which is, um, you know, the the aspect of the fall season and certainly the football season that makes uh, being a part of Lehigh um, so special and so distinctive is is that rivalry. And no matter how the season goes, you, you've got that game. Uh, if I back away from just that and think about football and, and make it and personalize it, um, I think I've been – I think I've been um, – scheduled and busy on Saturdays in the fall for, you know, 54 years or so. Um, And, and and literally over the last 48 years prior to this fall, um, you know, every, every Saturday has been uh, scheduled for Lehigh football. And so that's a, you do anything for that long and that consistently and then have that effectively behavioral habit habit broken and and you're you know not doing that anymore i found myself um very uncomfortable and and you know i i came over a few saturdays to goodman campus and took a walk and mm-hmm. um thank thank goodness for my grandchildren you know the opportunity to you know get out with them a bit and you know ride bikes or or play catch or whatever um, because that's a bit of a a positive distraction Um, it's really been unusual and I know it's been that way for a lot of our alums who are you look forward to coming back and you know maybe most significantly for the people who are investing of themselves in that in that opportunity opportunity for the rest of us to enjoy the the players and the coaches um it's been really difficult really really hard for for everybody it's not something that we'd like to have to go through again um and you yeah. know to your point uh it all sort of culminates with um with the game against Lafayette and you know I've kidded for years that the turkey either tastes really good or you know really awful depending on how that game ends. And, mm-hmm. you know, this year's a year where I, I'm not sure how it tasted because I don't know how to 
I don't know how to process uh, the taste of turkey without a without a Lehigh or a Lafayette uh, outcome. So. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I I totally agree. And uh, you know, has it been kind of like nicer to know we've been doing the twelve rings, twelve weeks um, throughout the fall, showing old highlights and old games from uh, each of the of Lehigh's championship Patriot League championship seasons. Has it been kind of nice to kind of reflect on those games to kind of fill that void of of no football? Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it completely completely fills that void. Um, it's a different kind of experience. But I have I have personally really enjoyed the series that you all put together, and it was, um, you know, for me it's a walk down memory lane with some really outstanding coaches and and players and some of the interviews with the the individuals that were a part of those championship teams and. Um, you know, I'm really proud of them. I think they're they they've sustained the kind of behaviors that brought acclaim to them when they were players for us and students here at Lehigh in their in their professional lives and their family lives. They've they've done they've done some really neat things, and it's it's just it's really been affirming to listen to them talk about you know their time here. Yeah. and their time now and and um and they all seem to have really really fond uh, recollections which is you know that's one of the things we aspire to achieve in in their experience is that this is a lifelong set of relationships and it's nice to see that that has um you know that has occurred for for the individuals you interviewed yeah and you know as for you know as well as no football in this fall um athletics in general was in a pretty long pause during this fall period. And, um, you know, now many sports are easing back into some semblance of a practice schedule. You know, what worked well at the beginning of the fall when we, when we started this whole thing and what needed to be improved? Well, I think the, I think the structure that we established was um, very helpful and constructive, but it was, um, limited, you know, to the time that we were engaging with our athletes uh, through training, whether it was strength and conditioning kinds of training or sports-specific, skill-specific training. Um, They were in our venues. They were on our fields. We were able to structure um, the the activity and the behavior with, um, with health interests foremost in mind. You know, I think what we've learned is that, you know, the rest of students' lives, the rest of our athletes' lives, um, you know, may not have the same degree of structure. Um, and as much as you talk about the importance of vigilance and in managing healthy behaviors um, 24 hours of the day, you know, that's a very, very atypical um, set of expectations for college age kids you know to 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 not interact with other people that are outside of your residential group or your sport group um you know that's that's not normal that's not usual and therefore it's really hard to do and so and this certainly transcends the athletic experience the the uh the positive testing that we recognize as a university far extended beyond athletes. Um, so it, it just sort of reinforced that the, the challenge of uh, trying to keep everybody healthy in an environment that is um, fundamentally pretty intimate in the way that it's set up, a college campus and, and college activity, um, is, is going to be really hard to do. And, and so we kind of went back and rethought, how can we approach this? And in ways that are going to be um, more compelling and the real challenge is not not so much in in the early stages of getting started it's sustaining it after you've been doing it for a while and uh, probably the only way to to really be um, constantly vigilant is is that you have to test an awful lot more and you know the um, the testing plan in the in the fall semester was really because we weren't competing it was the university's comprehensive surveillance testing program and you're only testing a a portion of the population and you're um you know doing it on a a periodic basis um whereas 
you know, when we get into a more um, focused competitive mode uh, athletically, we're going to be, we're going to be testing three times a week. And so that alone, that activity um, puts front and center the importance of vigilance around healthy behaviors. And, um, and so I'm um, expecting that, um, that that will be a helpful um, element in, in our, in our comprehensive effort to, to try and keep, um, keep our kids and our teams active um, as we, yep. as we get into the second semester. But it's going to be a real challenge, especially if society is, is struggling with the spread of the virus. And that seems yep. to be the case, you know, leading up to the Thanksgiving holiday and here afterwards that, that, um, you know, um, everybody around us is, is, uh, is struggling a bit as well. And, and that makes it hard to yeah. isolate yourself completely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the surge and of cases and what this is probably around our countries this is the worst it's been um, in this entire pandemic uh, in terms of cases. So something that definitely needs to be worked around and things that, you know, that's why all these procedures and protocols are in place. And, you know, we're talking a, bit, a lot about the future and, um, you know, on Monday, November 9th, the Patriot League announced that there will be a basketball season starting in January 2021, which, um, you know, obviously is dependent on how things go in the next couple uh, weeks and, and into that time. Um, you know, the safety procedures and protocols are being decided, but the big news is the schedule releasing um, in a way where the teams are split up into mini conferences, Lehigh and the Central uh, mini conference competing against Bucknell and Lafayette four times each. You know, what are your thoughts on the schedule and how it's composed and, you know, how it will mitigate COVID-19 and mitigate the spread? Yeah. Well, you know, we, we spent a lot of time as, uh, as athletic administrators talking about, um, you know, how we might be able to go about a competitive season um, you know, with, with um, you know, an aim of minimizing the amount of, uh, of spread that we have. And the geography becomes a really critical issue um, in lots of ways, not the least of which is, you know, at this point, there's still different expectations in the states that fall within our footprints or the District of Columbia is, is another area. Um, and so competing and traveling to compete across the entire footprint of the league, you know, poses an awful lot of challenge, some of which is not even um, potentially um, manageable. So we pretty quickly came to the notion that we're going to have to do this in a much more regionalized fashion, at least for the main part of the schedule. And, you know, people can judge it and evaluate it in all kinds of ways. And, and you know, I've heard people say, well, it's not fair. And, and, you know, this schedule is much harder because of the teams you have to play and so on and so forth. And, I, you know, my perspective really is let's back away and say, you know, the alternative is, here, we're, is that we're not going to play at all. And, um, and that could still be an outcome. We, we, we have to demonstrate that we can, we can execute the plan that we put together um, and hopefully are given a chance to do so by the external circumstances. Um, but if we are given the chance, um, you know, the, the, the reality is we're playing games, we're competing, and I'd much rather be doing that than not doing that. And the fact that we get to play our, probably our two, you know, longest and, and most uh, meaningful rivals in Lafayette and Bucknell, because they're they're Pennsylvania schools. They're relatively close by. We play them forever in, in just about every sport. Um, a lot of, a lot of longstanding relationships, a lot of uh, crossover in recruiting and, and friendships. And, you know, people went to high school together, go to the different schools. Um, and it's kind of a bonus that you get to play them multiple times. Um, and, um, uh, you know, we, we've done that in other sports uh, for years. You, you, play, you know, play four games in baseball. Um, yep. So playing four games in basketball is, is not unprecedented. And, um, you know, it's, I just look at it and say, I, I just hope we can give the, the guys that are part of our team, the gals that are part of our women's team, the, the full opportunity to play all those games. And, 
playing schools that are nearby where we can go up and back in the same day and and maybe do that twice in a weekend um, is is really the best way for us to um, to get our schedule in. And uh, Joe, can you talk a little bit about the potential plans for return to practice play when winter and spring students return in late January? Yeah, all of that's um, tentative. Although we we put up some guidelines and you know th- that will that will. Um, um, help us to sort our way through it. But uh, first of all, we're, we're not going to bring back any of our other teams until students start to return to campus. Um, and right now it looks like the last week in January will begin a, a, a rolling process of having students come back to campus so that not everybody shows up at the same time, move, move back in the same day. We try and de-densify the campus a bit. And you know, the students have to conduct their uh, quarantine and they've got to present um, negative tests before they come back. And uh, and so we won't probably get super actively started with our team training or anything else until after February 1st. Um, and then there's a, you know, reconditioning process. And that will, in some sense, be dependent upon the fitness levels of our teams and evaluation of that at the at the beginning stage, but we certainly can't jump right into team training if we're not um, fit and well enough to do so. And and so we've got to work up to that. So I, we're anticipating that there's going to be a minimum of four weeks of of sort of preseason training for our teams before we would get into any kind of competition. And um, and we're looking at you know, competition being, um, you know, right around the end of February, beginning of, of, of March at the earliest. Um, and then, you know, for, for some sports, that's going to be weather dependent, um, you know, outdoor sports. Um, and it'll be a real challenge if everybody is up and running and we're healthy and, and the, you know, public health conditions permit us to move forward. Um, you know, we're trying to play an awful lot of sports at the same time. It'll be, it'll be um, a logistical challenge, and so we're working on that as well. Um, so we've got we've got a lot a lot to do. This has been a busy mm-hmm. time, and will continue to be a busy time to put together schedules. And and as we do all that work and figure out how we're going to stage it, how we're going to execute it, uh, we're doing that knowing that you know on any given day things could change and. And we could have to hit, you know, a, a pause again, and, and maybe a full stop. You know, th- those are those are not without, um, you know, they're not outside the realm of possibility. With the um, spring sports not playing last year, uh, or not finishing their season last year, um, and canceled because of the virus, is there is there like more of a you know a priority on on playing those sports um, based off of they didn't get to finish their season last year, and we want them to play a full year if if everything goes well you know is there more of a priority i don't know there's a priority for all of them i think right. you know we had a couple of winter sports that didn't get their championships and so the, the you know the season feels like it was unfinished for those students the all of our fall sports didn't get their fall season and it was 100 percent of their season whereas last spring you know many of our teams got at least some of their season uh, in. Um, so it's a priority for those fall sports to have an opportunity to compete. And certainly it is a, a priority to try and give the spring sports um, the opportunity to get a, get a full season in. Uh, understanding that full season is, has been redefined. You know, so it's yeah. going to be fewer competitions. It's going to be much more localized, regionalized. We're not going to get on airplanes. We're not going to, uh, travel overnight um, very often, if at all, um, because all of those things increase the risk of of somebody contracting, you know, a very contagious virus. Um, mm-hmm. The good news in the whole in the whole context of of this pandemic is that for the for the age college age kids, there there doesn't seem to be, you know an awful lot of life-threatening circumstances. They fare very well. And a lot of criticism comes from people who say, well, why, 
why don't you just let them play? I mean, the flu, you know, disables kids, you know, on an annual basis as well. The reality is, though, that this virus um, has impacted um, other people, some people with underlying conditions, um, senior people. And, and we have a lot of those people associated with our programs, whether they're, you know, coaches or, or staff members or people that work at our games or uh, people that are around our programs on our campus in the community neighbors of our students and so we have a responsibility to be sensitive to the, to the broader public health issues um, and that's and that's kind of where um, where our heads are in terms right. of the points now the the men's and women's basketball teams and wrestling teams um, are planning on um, you know training during staying on campus and training during the semester break can you share um, a little bit about, um, you know, how that will work out and the procedures behind that? Yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. Um, you know, we did have our, our, our students on those three teams, which are, you know, the winter sports that we are um, um, aiming to get started in, in early January with competition. Yeah, we did have those teams here over the Thanksgiving break, so they've already made some sacrifices that were, you know, carefully considered on the front end. Um, a lot of the students that are on those teams are from geographically distant locations. Some of them are still labeled as hotspots, and you know, putting them on, in an airport and on a plane to go home for Thanksgiving and then come back, you know, just seemed to be fraught with all kinds of challenges. The same issue is is confronting us as we look ahead to you know the next set of holidays and um, so there's a lot of sacrifice um, on the part of um, the students that are that are part of those programs and their coaches um, but everybody is eager to try and do what it takes to have an opportunity to compete and um, and so they're in their training mode a combination of building their game level fitness, um, you know, match level fitness in wrestling, yeah. um, as well as refining their tactical um, aspects of preparation. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we have a Patriot League schedule. You mentioned that, that um, we're working toward trying to implement beginning in, in early January. Um, we're in the latter stages of finalizing uh, wrestling schedule. The, the vast majority of it is, is completed. We haven't released it all yet. Uh, had to make some revisions in what was planned there. Um, but we're looking to have them get started um, early in January as well. Um, and, you know, those are teams that to this point, um, knock wood, um, they have been really good and really vigilant about about management um, and proud of the commitment that um, those athletes and their coaches have made to this point um, in addition to the, the personal sacrifices that they and their families have had to make in order for them to be here to, to train. You talked a little bit about the wrestling schedule um, and you know obviously it's not been released yet but but it could could, could fans and 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 uh, people be um, kind of looking at it kind of in the same light as the Patriot League, the way the Patriot League schedule is constructed and that, you know, playing uh, or competing against teams multiple times or, you know, competing on teams in the region. Um, we know the Ivy League um, has has uh, decided that uh, there will be no, um, you know, spring or uh, fall, uh, fall sports or winter sports this year. Um, kind of just talk a little bit about the, what people yeah. can, might be able to expect there. Yeah, I think the guiding parameters are similar, and um, and so the, they they frame the work you're going to do. Number one, you know we're we're not going to get on an airplane and 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 put our teams at risk uh, associated with with being in close indoor spaces with lots of other people where the spread could be um, intensified. Um, we are um, we're going to try and be much more regionalized and you know in all three of those programs typically you know we have we have competed out of region and and you know that's been an attractive element of the of the program uh, for competitive reasons as well as for um, you know the student experience reason um, we're not going to be able to do that either mm -hmm. um, so um, 
wrestling's a little bit different in that multiple competitions against the same team don't necessarily carry the same benefit because typically you're wrestling against the same person. Whereas in, right. in basketball, you know, you've got five people on the floor and they're, they're changing all the time. And, you know, um, it could be a very different uh, kind of competition or outcome, um, you know, one day to the next. Whereas in, in wrestling, while that can happen, you know, the styles of individual wrestlers, the, the approach is, is probably not going to change all that much. And right. On top of that, you know, if we are able to compete um, in wrestling, uh, a lot of the competition will be against EIWA opponents. And, you know, we would expect to see them again, you know, at the end of the year in a, in a tournament in some way. So um, I think wrestling you'll see, you know, not doubling up with opponents, but staying regional and uh, and uh, and maintaining the same um you know, priorities in terms of the way we are approaching uh, the competitive schedule. Before we move on with our next segment on the show, let me just remind you that Mountain Hawk Talk is presented by Lehigh Valley Health Network and Coordinated Health, your unrivaled partners for sports medicine and injury care. You can follow the show on Twitter at LehighMHTalk, and you can subscribe and download each episode from LehighSports.com slash podcasts or from your favorite platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. How has Lehigh Athletics, the student-athletes, the coaches and administrators, kind of accepted this challenge of doing things differently in the age of COVID? Well, generally, I think they've been very responsive um number one they all understand it intellectually um they're, they're very bright people and they get it yeah. um they they're aware of the public health issues um sort of the broader underlying issues of concern um so explaining it and and getting to a point of understanding has not been problematic um, they're committed athletes. They want to, they want to be successful. They want to have an opportunity to compete. So I think, I think they've been, uh, terrific and responsive, uh, particularly, you know, in the settings where, where we have the ability to oversee and manage. So all of their sport training and their, they've, un, they've understood and adapted to, you know, uh, uh, zoom meetings instead of meetings in our in our conference areas of our training space um they they've they've done really well with with all of that mm -hmm. i think the the real challenge that they confront is is maintaining the consistency of that approach uh over time and that's where emotions and and habits and you know the the realities of of the age group um, begin to influence, and um, it's really hard to to be essentially limited in your in your number of contacts for an extended period of time when you're a young person. Um, that that goes against every every sort of biological and psychological um, you know makeup uh, that that exists, and and so. That part's been hard um, and will continue to be hard, um, but it's never been an issue of, of understanding or, or willingness to, to sort of commit or recommit. Um, I think they've been really good about, about that. And I think everybody's frustrated that, you know, it, you can do everything right, uh, everything you've been asked to do and still contract this and, and that's frustrating, and yeah. and we have to accept that the reality is people are are gonna are gonna catch the virus at some point, and you know, dealing with it and minimizing the the spread is the real key. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it is frustrating for sure. Um, can you talk a little bit about the concept of eligibility relief for student athletes due to fall winter sports uncertainty, and you know how that affects Lehigh specifically? because we know that there's academic requirements on our campus um, that are needed for that fifth year. Yeah. 
Well, I think I think the NCAA did the right thing in um, in proactively saying whatever happens in this competitive year, the the students are are going to not lose a year of, of eligibility. Um, you know, otherwise, I think you you might have seen a lot more a lot more individuals opting out and and not even participating. Um, but you know, the, this is this is, you know, I think a sensible approach to say you can, you can have the year of eligibility back irrespective of whether you complete your season or not. The challenge um, at, at institutions like ours, and certainly it's true across our league, is we're talking about very bright kids who are typically going to graduate in four years. And, and um, the vast majority of them have, you know, very promising career opportunities and plans. Yeah. And, you know, the, the challenge of staying another year means giving up something else. So often, you know, a job or a career or the start of law school or med school or whatever. And, um, and therefore, not everybody who has the year of eligibility, whether it comes because of COVID or because of injury or some other reason um, in, in our history, not everybody that, that has eligibility remaining uh, chooses to use it all because because they've got you know other aspirations and within our league and certainly our institution um, we think that decisions to remain enrolled ought to be motivated primarily um, by a very compelling academic reason for doing so uh, so if, if somebody's going to enrich their their educational experience in a way that um, would be hard to argue with. Um, that's the kind of experience that it makes sense to defer your career. I, an example, you know, some of our some of our fifth year kids have, have been through this. Um, you major in accounting, you know, you want to be a CPA, you got to take additional coursework in order to even sit for the CPA exam. So some of our students have gotten a master's in accounting in their fifth year. Um, so started and even completed graduate program that's a compelling reason if your if your career is defined that way and an awful lot of our fifth year athletes have have you know gone the route of graduating and 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 then pursuing a graduate degree um and some have chosen to do that at other institutions um and and that makes good sense for them uh, that that they're able to start or even finish a graduate program at another institution and use their eligibility somewhere else and you know, if that's the right thing for them as an individual, you know, we support it fully. Um, if, as long as they're driven by a long-term view, um, I think that's what matters the most. Joe, in a time spanning eight months and counting now, you know, how has trying to lead and manage through a global pandemic been different from other leadership challenges you've faced in more than 30 years as AD? Yeah, it's been the toughest period of time in my in my uh, professional lifetime, uh, that's for sure. Um, number one, it's it's unprecedented, so you don't have the ability to learn from the experience of others. Um, and you know, I think a, a lot of what um, you know very effective people in all walks of life do is they they learn from those that have come before them or been through it before. They're willing to ask for. Uh, perspectives and advice and counsel and and we do that a lot in in areas that do have histories and precedent this doesn't have any of that so you know everybody's got an opinion but um, there, there really is no track record and we're all learning as we go through it so it's been challenging because we have to understand the decisions that we make today um, may require a different decision tomorrow. We may have to adapt and adjust. And that doesn't mean it was a bad decision, you know, that we made yesterday. It just means right. that today brings a, a different set of circumstances. So uh, I think we've all learned to be more agile, more flexible. If there's a silver lining in all of this, we, the collective we is, uh, we've gotten better at, at planning. We've uh, diversified our our ability to communicate, um, you know, our, our array of communication tools. Um, you know, we would love to be doing much more in person, but um, because we can't do that, we've had to sharpen the, the communication tools that are uh, not in person, whether that those are 
um, you know, video technology that's available to interact, whether that's um, the nature of our phone calls and the, and the value of them because of the different type of communication, um, whether that is the impact of the messaging uh, that we that we are able to share in person in the in the few moments that we were able to be together. Um, I, I think we've learned a lot through all of that, but no question, it's been challenging. It's been um, draining. It's been a very busy time. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been, you know, I don't, I don't know many people that have, had, you know, taken vacation during this time period because right. number one, where do you go? What do you do? Exactly. Um, yep. But the other part of it is, you know, there's always something every day, and um, and so we we work on things, and then we we put them into perspective, and maybe have to redo them the next day. And that's that's a challenge to sustain that emotionally is is a real challenge. I'm proud of our staff. They I think they've done a phenomenal job. Yeah, they they definitely have. Um, you know, one of the things that has been happening concurrently with this virus um, this year for our country has been systemic racism and social injustices. Um, You know, what are your thoughts on the way the department's coaches and student athletes have taken that initiative um, with the opportunity to work on anti-racism and social social justice uh, initiatives? Well, first of all, I'm really proud of, of everybody, our students, um, our staff, for uh, for demonstrating a responsiveness to sort of the um, the the root of of these issues, which is um, no matter how one feels about about any of this, um, the the bottom line is these are issues because people don't all feel the same. Um, their perspectives are different. Their life experiences are different. And um, the need to um, be heard, um, the need for others to understand um, a perspective that is, or an experience that is different from their own is absolutely essential. And I think as a collective group, we've undertaken that challenge um, with with a lot of energy and enthusiasm. Um, so our, our first objective and first challenge is let's try and understand each other. Let's try and understand how we think and where we come from and what we believe. Let's also look at our history and try and understand more about that than we, than we maybe have taken time to understand previously. And as as we do that, um, I think there's a lot of really meaningful and I would expect enduring learning that occurs um, and a deeper appreciation um, for one another and our differences uh, of all types. Um, but in particular, you know, some of the, the racially based differences. Um, and what it means to to grow up in an environment where, you know, an awful lot of people don't recognize, appreciate, value, or treat with respect people that that look different from them. And um, I think we've come to understand that, come to value it. Um, I think it's incredibly important in our environment because the students we have here at this institution, they are going to be leaders in whatever their chosen profession uh, might be. And our society needs leaders that are able to listen, uh, to discern and appreciate and value differences, to incorporate those differences into the way that they lead and the way they engage with others. And so this is a a wonderful practice opportunity, if you will, um, for what I think is going to be, you know, a challenge throughout the lifetime of all the kids that are here. It certainly has been a challenge in my lifetime, um, you know, and I think it will continue to be. Uh, how, how do we work through um, differences of all types and, and come together around uh, values that we share? Um, and it starts with deeply respecting um, you know, one another. Uh, and so, you know, we talk about that here, that the, the lives and the life experiences of all of our 
uh, athletes and all of our staff members really matter. And instead of leaving at that, we have to say, you know, the, the students who are black and brown and international and grow up in a different environment, it's not enough to just say we respect and appreciate you. We, we have to value their experience. We have to understand it at a deeper level if we're ever going to be as effective as we want to be. And I think our, our students and our staff have, have undertaken the challenge of learning and growing and, um, and, uh, and coming to a higher level of respect and appreciation. And I, I particularly have great admiration for some of our students. They are leading the way. Uh, in this regard. And, and I, I personally have challenged them to do that. This is their generation. This is their time to be leaders and we want them to do so. Yeah. And it's, it's 100% evident to the way that they've been leading and, and leading this charge through this time. Um, it's been very awesome to see um, all over social media and everything that they do. Um, they care, they care about this. They, they really do. They 100% care about this and they care about other people. And that gives me great hope and great optimism for the future of, of our country, for the, you know, the, the world my grandchildren will grow up in and be a part of. I, I think, you know, I think of it in those terms, literally, that there are going to be some students that graduated from Lehigh that are going to be, you know, key leaders in the lives of my own grandchildren, personal uh, perspective on that. And that matters, you know, a, a great deal to me. And I'm just very, very proud of um, of the quality of individual that we have at this institution. And I, in saying that, I you know I acknowledge we've got a long way to go. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly the, the the white community has a long way to go to to truly understand and and embrace yeah. um, you know the people who who have not uh, shared in the privileges of our of our upbringing. Um, and I think we're making great progress. Joe, can you talk a little bit about how the Path to Prominence working groups and student athlete and staff development groups at Lehigh, um, you know, how have they been successful this fall uh, in a period without athletic competitions going on? Yeah, um, you know, it's an interesting notion. What, what people ask all the time, my neighbors ask, you know, what, what, are your, what do your staff do? What do your coaches do um, if they're not having competitions? And, you know, we are not a two or three hour a day activity um, as anybody in our department well knows and and a number of people that have come to know um, our educational mission um, appreciate as well but you know this is all part of the effort to become uh, you know a more um, effective organization in every respect we've we identified as a part of the the effort that the university has undertaken sort of thematically, uh, to march forward and become a more prominent institution, we looked at and asked our staff, what are, what are the things that we could do that would um, lead to distinction, perhaps to prominence for our um, department? Um, if we did them really, really well, um, what, would those, what would those priorities be? What would the areas be? And our, our staff um, identified three uh, areas. Uh, one is we we have to tell our story um, better and differently. And, and so we've had a group of people that have worked really hard on um, what is the story of, of the Lehigh experience and, and how can we uh, tell it in a way that is, that is uh, real and authentic for everybody that's been a part of the place with the great diversity of backgrounds that we have. Um, and we've worked at that really hard and used different mediums to tell the story. The visual medium has become critically important. When you don't have the in-person contact, you've got to have the ability to use video in a way that, that really is compelling. So I'm proud of the work that's going on there. And that's not a, you know, we, we finish it and we're done. That's ongoing. That will always need adjusting and adapting and improving in order to be effective in our messaging about the Lehigh experience. The second area, we are a, a department that is, that is fundamentally predicated upon the development of young people. Um, and, you know, while competitively that's relevant, um, 
it's even more relevant in terms of this stage of their life and what kind of individual are they going to be and how do they how do they develop into leaders future leaders in in our society so we we talk a lot about our mission being um, to to actively engage in the learning process in every dimension to help young people grow up uh, learn something about themselves learn about their strengths learn about um, areas that that um, maybe they don't do as well and be honest about that, be consistent in who they are and the way they handle themselves, be able to handle difficult times. Um, and we're living in one. And so it's a great learning experience uh, mm -hmm. along those lines. Learn how to compete in everything you do. Um, you, you know, and, and then learn to think of others even before you think of yourself um, in, innately, uh, to be a, a person that's committed to serving uh, greater good and and so that's that's all about the growth process at our at our place and when you as an individual you know evolve to a point where you really understand and have mastered a, a, a better handle on those kinds of elements you're prepared to really lead others and so that's what we're we're trying to develop as we as we go through the the process and what we have done in 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 terms of path to prominence is to say, what if we did that better than most every other place you could imagine? What if our, our process was tailored to individual development, not applying a common uh, set of, uh, you know, approaches, right. um, but it was much more tailored. It had common principles, but it, it, it served the needs of individuals. And so we've had a group that's really been working on individual development, both at the student level and at the staff level, um, to do that as well as we can do it. And then the third area is really focused on our, on our students primarily, but we learn a lot that's of value to our staff, and that is you know, career development and career support. Uh, how can we do an even better job of helping young people to identify pathways uh, that are gonna be um, rewarding and um, you know, uh, uh, affirming and exciting uh, for them to follow once their college years end. And, uh, and then you know, how do they make the right contacts? How do they get into the fields that would be the most compelling to them um, and support them in that effort? So, those are the areas that we've emphasized and a lot of work has occurred and mm -hmm. a lot more is still occurring. Um, but I'm really proud of the way that our staff has undertaken this. Um, some of our students have, have participated actively in, in uh, parts of it as well. Um, and I think it's making us a better and more effective department. And finally, you know, any hobbies that you've taken on during this time or uh, binge watched any shows that you normally wouldn't have the time for in the last eight months? Well, I've, I've, I've binge watched a lot more public health data information <laughs> from a variety of places than I ever imagined I would, I would be inclined to do. And I hope I don't have to do that going forward. Um, you know, the, the one, the one, um, thing I've tried to do uh, with all sensitivity to, to healthy behaviors and so forth, um, we've been blessed to have um, a bunch of grandchildren. We have 13 grandchildren and, um, you know, two of them are families that are, that are not in this area and it's a little bit harder to, you know, connect and spend time with them, but we've made an effort to do that and do it with sensitivity to, to healthy behaviors. Um, and then we have two local families that uh, live in Lehigh Valley and, and nearby to us. And we've kind of morphed into, you know, one big family in terms of a lot of the things that we do. They're, they're families where they have two working, you know, um, parents and, mm -hmm. and uh, kids that are, you know, in a combination of, of school and childcare. And, and um, you know, it's, it's a challenge to manage all of that. Some of the schooling is online and that's difficult so we've been able to help out a little bit and it, it provides a great diversion from the challenge and frustration of the work day when i have a chance to spend time with grandkids it's also one of the things that keeps me really optimistic i look at it and say you know these these you know three four five six year old kids are uh, you know, going to grow up into a world that, you know, mm -hmm. is going to be pretty important. Um, 
and uh, and that that re-energizes me to come back here and and, and serve you know, our department and our athletes and our coaches in every way I can to, to try and achieve the same objective. How do we make, how do we make the world a, a better place for everybody? And um, so it's, it's really been good. They, the grandkids have provided a great diversion for me, but they've yeah. also provided a source of inspiration as well. It must be a blessing for you to be able to spend so much time with them um, in a time that you typically wouldn't have the time to do um like everyone else like i've been able to spend time with family over this period of time that um i'm not extended family but immediate family that um normally i i'm traveling or at events or whatnot and not not able to spend any time with them so it's been really nice no it's been great the the one difficult part particularly for well actually for all of our our uh, four children and their and their kids um no matter where they're they're living they have all always all come back for some of our sporting events and, um, yeah. and they miss going to sporting events as well. So as I said earlier, I've, I've spent some Saturdays over on Goodman campus, particularly when the weather was good earlier this fall and mm-hmm. um, you know, running around with grandkids, not only did they want to ride their bikes in the parking lot and those kinds of things, but they wanted to get down on fields. And so, yeah. you know, they want to run the bases and they want to play and pretend they're, you know, they're Lehigh athletes and they, they kid me all the time. You know, one of them will say, I'm, I'm Lafayette and I, we just won and they giggle and, and, and I tell them you can't you, that can't happen. So, um, you know, they, they're acting out their dreams, yeah. which, which are, you know, to grow up and be like the kids that we get to spend our time around, which I think is, is pretty cool. And yeah. um, that has been very, very rewarding and we do feel blessed. And as a grandfather, I mean, that's just, that's just so cool to, to see them kind of acting out their dreams, like firsthand, just watching them do that. So, um, Joe, it's been a pleasure, always a pleasure to have you on, um, stay safe, stay healthy. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you soon. Thanks, Josh. I hope that that, uh, is down the road, uh, in the not too distant future as well. And I want to wish everybody, uh, it's a different kind of holiday season. If you got together at Thanksgiving, um, you know, that, mm-hmm. that maybe took on different meaning and certainly the next set of holidays uh, um, have different meaning as well. I, I, for one, am really looking forward to a different kind of 2021 than 2020 was. And, um, and so I wish everybody, uh, you know, a, a great holiday season and a, a much healthier, much more, um, engaged and and hopefully prosperous as well 2021 you've been listening to mountain hawk talk presented by lehigh valley health network and coordinated health the mountain hawk talk podcast is a production of lehigh sports communications please subscribe rate and review this podcast on the platform of your choice If you have show comments, questions, or suggestions for future guests, email us at sports at lehigh.edu. You can also follow the show on Twitter at lehighmhtalk.